comes. Hi everybody, Mike Hancock here, and today I'm introducing Liv Conlon. Now, we've known each other for, I think it must be going on three years, but when I think of Liv, I always think of one thing that she does that most people don't do, and that is she takes massive action. And, you know, Liv, I think your whole life you've had these huge dreams and goals, but more importantly, you've actually actioned them and you know if something's not working you find another way around it you don't just give up so we're thrilled to be able to hear from you today and welcome we've got a whole bunch of people on live more coming all the time and of course then this goes out to the the broader groups as as well so over to you hey everyone perfect thanks so much for that introduction mike um, yeah, it's been, I think we've worked together now for a couple of years and working together with you and Landy has just been incredible. Um, I've learned so much and so much has happened, like launched a book and so much has happened in that space of time that, you know, I just could never imagine. Um, and we met when you were in Glasgow um, in Scotland, um, which is where I'm actually from. However, I live in Marbella in Spain um, because of the weather. <laughs> Glasgow, if you've ever been in Scotland in general, has terrible rain. Um, so I chose to move out to a horror place and now I'm based in Marbella. So yeah, guys, it's so exciting to be here with you. Um, what I'm really going to be sharing today is talking about personal branding, um, because that is the strategy, basically, that I used to build a seven-figure business by the time I was 19 years old. Um, and I'm going to just share a bit with you now about that journey so that, of course, you can see the, the journey that I've been on and a bit about the strategy that I use to actually reach where I am today. Um, so I've prepared some slides, so I'm just going to share my screen just now. Okay. Okay. So really today, I want to talk about creating a prolific personal brand online. Um, mainly all my success and all the marketing I've done has been online based. Um, so I really want to share deep today on personal branding and applying that to social media. But first of all, I'll take you through a little bit of my journey and where I started. So I started my very first business when I was 13 years old. Um, so this is me. I actually imported um, different nail foils and things from China and then sold them at market stalls and then also on eBay. Um, so this is me in Glasgow selling my um, wares at a Christmas market. And this is where it really all began for me. I always was like one of these born entrepreneurs. I knew that this is exactly what I wanted to do with my life. Um, so I just launched it right when I was in school um, and was just really enjoyed it. By the time I was 16, I was in high school and this is when like my main business idea was really born. So my mom was involved in property. And at the time she was renovating a property to sell and it wasn't selling. So at that time I decided, um, you know, the property was empty and I suggested to her, why don't we actually stage the property for sale? And this is not my best work. Now I look back, I'm like, this looks absolutely terrible. <laughs> but it was really the starting journey of uh, my business, the property stagers. So we staged the property and it ended up selling. It was on the market for three months with no offers when it was empty. We then staged that property and it sold within three days above the market value. 
and the person that bought the property bought all of the furniture as well. So at 16, I realized this was quite a good idea and no one else in the UK was offering this type of service. So I thought I was pretty good at it and I knew that I could actually sell this idea to other people. And so um, the property stagers was born when I was 16, still in high school. I basically had the opportunity to go on to university and study whatever I wanted, a lawyer, a doctor, because I did, I was in a fortunate position to have the grades. And I knew at that point, like, this is what I wanted to go and do. And you'll see that banner at the bottom there. It says, you're ruining your life. And basically that was, it's really just one of the, the constant themes that's ran throughout my life so far. I'm 22 now. Um, it's people saying like, you can't do it. You'll never be able to achieve it. And when I went into the careers office at that point and I told them that this is what I wanted to go and do at 16, um, she said, the careers officer said to me, you know, you're really ruining your life if you decide to go and start a business rather than take the route of university. Um, so I'm thankful to her today because <laughs> it kind of gave me like the massive push to actually say, well, you know, just watch me. I'll make it happen. Um, so from there, that's really where the star of that journey began. Um, it wasn't an easy one. The early days were really me for the first three years of the business, um, working 18 hour days, seven days a week, just really hustling to make things happen. And this was me in my mini. I mean, I staged hundreds of properties just from the back of my mini, driving around. It was definitely a health hazard <laughs> with all of this furniture in it. And then that person in the image with me is also my mum. Um, so she joined my business when I was 18 um, to really help me build it. And she still works with me to this day. Um, so we have a load of fun and it's amazing being able to work every single day with, with your mum and employ your mum. <laughs> Although we're basically business partners. Um, so yeah, that was the early days. And the one thing that really changed for me um, is when I set a goal. This was like one of my very early sort of vision boards and goal planning boards. And I wrote that, that by 2018, which at this point was probably about two, two years before that, 2016, that I wanted to turn over 30,000 pounds in the space of a year in revenue. Um, and I actually had no idea how I was ever going to achieve that. The business had not really achieved anywhere near that before that. Um, so it was really like one of those massive dream big and then work out how to do it later. Um, then with a lot of work, of course, and taking on to actually social media and starting to share online what I was doing, um, with all of these posts, all of this work that went to posting online, we actually hit one million pounds in that 12 month period, which is just, at that time was just totally mind blowing to me because as I said, I wanted to turn over that 30,000 pounds in a year. And I actually managed to, to do, you know, a hundred thousand in one month. Um, so it was really, that's kind of like, obviously the total fast tour of what happened. Um, there was so much more that went into that. But obviously, I'm not here to go in depth to all that. I'm here to share the strategy behind it. Um, and since that period, really, we've experienced massive success. I've been featured in international press all over the world um, multiple times using that strategy to get the, the message out there, grow the business. We've won over now 12 awards, I think. I think we're at 13 now. 
I'm including the UK Entrepreneur of the Year for two years consecutively. Um, and this is me at 10 Downing Street with Boris Johnson, the current UK Prime Minister. I was invited to dinner there to really discuss young entrepreneurship and what we can do here in the UK. And it really all led to working with Mike and continuing to build that personal brand. Um, I launched my book, Too Big For Your Boots, and the foreword was actually written by Mark Randolph, the co-founder of Netflix. Um, that's him there with a Scottish whiskey and holding the book once it was published. Um, so yeah, it was just, it's been a really, really crazy journey over the space of six years. As I mentioned, I'm 22 now. I started on this journey when I was 16. Um, and it's just completely changed my life and being able to go on and impact so many other people as well. So I think when I ever present this, it's the kind of question that I always get was, how was it all possible? How did I experience such massive growth in such a short space of time? And really, I want to share with you that this all really happened. And it sounds like a total millennial thing to say. Um, but social media really was a game changer for my business. And it was my chosen vehicle to get my message to my audience. And I'm a big believer and there's so many other vehicles out there as well, not just social media. I've used other vehicles as well. Um, but social media has been the biggest one. Then again, the question comes up, but all businesses have access to social media. So why are some businesses more successful than others? When, um, when actually using them because we all can create an account, but it doesn't mean that we're actually gonna create revenue in our business. It doesn't mean we're gonna grow a following. So why do some people have success and some people don't? And really, I believe it's in the strategy that we apply to the vehicle. So social media is the vehicle, um, but there's so many different strategies that we can actually apply there that are gonna make it successful. So if I just post random content that connects with nobody, it doesn't build my brand, I won't get those clients, I won't hit those revenue goals, and ultimately I won't grow it through social media. Um, so really what I'm here to do today on this presentation is to show you my proven strategy that I've applied to social media to scale my business to under $1 million in under two years with a small audience. And I guess that's one of the, the myths that I want to break today as well, that I done all of this with under 3000 followers. I don't have, you won't go into my social media accounts and see a million follower count. I don't have it, but I've been able to do it with a small engaged audience and applying the right strategy. So are you ready to hear what that strategy is? Awesome. <laughs> Loving the thumbs up, Melanie. Thank you. So yeah, the way that I see it is the vehicle, social media, the fuel to make the car go basically is a personal branding strategy. And I stand by that regardless of what business you run because I coach a lot of other businesses. I'm product-based businesses, service-based businesses. I'm coaches. Really, I've coached so many different types of businesses and applied this strategy. And every single time it has massive success. Um, so no matter what business you currently run, I believe that this is the biggest accelerant to get there. So when I speak to a lot of people, one of the, the first sort of barriers that come up is that, you know, I don't have a personal brand or I don't want to be the face of the business. I don't want me to be the focus of what I'm doing. 
And one of the first things I always share is that you already have a personal brand, whether you like it or not. Literally every interaction you have, that's your personal brand. People knowing you as a person, in person or online, it really all, everything you do is, is, is branding, is positioning. And so we need to actually become a lot more conscious of how we present ourselves everywhere. So as I said, this works for you, no matter who you are, coach, service provider, brick and mortar business and product based. These strategies are all foundational in how to do this and applying it to social media. So as I share with you, my brand that I really scaled to the seven figures, the property stagers, um, I own that business as a service based business. And even with that business, the strategy that I applied was through a personal branding strategy. So as I mentioned, applies to any business. And I'm going to share with you how you can, if you have like a business brand, if it is very service-based or product-based, how you can still apply yourself to it. And I just want to do a quick warning that only use this strategy if you want to grow your business fast. And that's what I would say that personal branding is, is adding, it's basically pouring accelerant on your business. Yes, you can do it through other strategies, but it'll take you a lot longer. Um, so this is the quickest route to success. So if you're considering the differences between the business and the personal brand, really I see your business brand as your invoicing brand. And what I mean when I say this is that it's a professional authority that sits behind your personal brand. People usually buy from it. So that's where you're going to invoice them through. They'll actually purchase from the business, whether that is property stages or whatever you've got going on. But really what they're doing when they have that transaction is they're buying from you. And I always remember this um, in the very early days of starting my home staging business, that when I was recommended on Facebook, even though that the property stagers was what I ran, I was always tagged as Liv Conlon. Like that's what I was known as. I'm, and the business brand gave me that sort of credibility and said, you know, I am a legit business, but everyone knew me as Liv. It's your business profile page, which I recommend everyone still has a business page, um, a Facebook business page, still consistently publishing on it. If you're using something like Buffer, you're still putting content out to that page, but this is really gonna be your secondary source of traffic and focus. And the reason behind that is that social media always favors people rather than businesses. And if we grow it through a personal account, then we're gonna experience that much more rapid growth. Personal branding is basically pouring the accelerant onto the growth of your business. So with this, your audience wants to connect with a face, not a logo. Really, you're not gonna experience profile growth as much and as quickly as when you've got a logo on there compared to your own face, because again, people just do not connect with that as quickly. You as a person are way more memorable than a brand. And it's really one of the ways to help us stand out. When I first came onto the, the home staging scene, I was really one of the very first companies in there. There were not a lot of other people doing it. Um, but now there's just so many um, that people are having to stand out more as the person rather than the logo. And people will basically buy into your story. 
I was actually just doing a coaching call last night with one of the, the courses that I offer. Um, and one of the people that I'd never met before came on and they said, she must've been in her sixties. And she said to me, you know, one of the reasons that I really want, I connected with you and I bought your course was I too started my business when I was 13. And that is just, you know, quite a drastic difference between the age she has now. You know, that was almost 40 years ago for her, but she remembers what it was like back then and connected with me totally on that story. And even to this day, I get people that, you know, phone up even our home staging business and will choose our company over other companies because they connect with my story of being young and hustling and they were the same when they were, you know, coming up the ranks and building their business. So it really is insane the people that connect with your story and will buy with you rather than your competitors because they just connect with you. So how do you actually create a hybrid if you do have that business brand and create it into a social media profile? Really, my sort of advice to you would be always to stick to one profile on all of your social media accounts. So for example, I've chosen Instagram. Oops, Instagram is an example here. Um, this is one of my clients. She owns a home staging business. Um, and this is her hybrid Instagram account of being both a business, but also running it through a personal branding strategy. So it's set up as a business profile. You have that option when you join Instagram. Um, she has her name and her brand as her username. So that's the part that comes under the 13 posts, the followers, the following. Um, and this is just a brand new account. So she's got her name and her business there. And she also has her image as a profile image. And this is what I'm sharing with you. Don't go for the logo. People won't connect with it. They'll connect with the face. And then she's also got a little bit of story in there um, into her bio from design engineer to home stager. So this is how we really create the hybrid profile of both having the business name and the person there as well. One of the things that I hate most is when you're talking to someone on social media, they reach out to you. Let's say their business is called the Orange Juice Company and you have no clue who the person's name is because they don't sign off any of their messages and their name is nowhere in the, the profile either. That just does not build a connection with your audience. They want to see you. They want to see the behind the scenes of your life and connect with you. So in terms of our social media accounts, this would be the setup that I follow and I always have on Instagram. I have one hybrid profile and really what that is, it's Liv Conlon, but it's also uses my business, the prolific method. Um, and it's set up similarly to the one that I just shared with you, where I just operate everything through that one account. So it's all in one place and people will follow me because they're connected with me as a person or they might want to be a client. On Facebook, this is really the only platform where you're gonna have two different accounts. You're gonna have your business page set up, which works really well if you wanna run any sort of Facebook advertisement, you can only do that through a business page. But then I mainly get business and operate all of my content through my personal profile. And that personal profile is just the one that you set up. You can't actually set up a business page without it. Um, and the reason for that is you can curate your own audience so you can add friends. Um, and then also your content goes out to more of your audience when you're posting on a personal profile. And I find it really powerful because you can, with Instagram, people need to follow you. With Facebook and LinkedIn, you can actually connect with people, almost forcing them to follow you. Obviously, they need to accept 
Um, but you can just curate who's actually looking at your content. You can't invite MD to, to follow you on Instagram. And then with your LinkedIn post, you are your profile, you're gonna have one personal profile. Um, again, it's just so much better for the algorithms and also for your reach if you're on LinkedIn um, and you're posting through your personal profile. Okay, so that's really sort of the background, guys, on um, the difference between business branding and then your personal branding. But the real success behind all of this is becoming prolific. And this is really the method that I share with all my clients and one of the things that I live by in my business. And really, I want to dive into what becoming prolific really means. So the actual definition that you'll look up if you go into the dictionary of what becoming prolific really means, someone who's prolific is fruitful or highly productive. But there is another definition, and this is one that um, Russell Brunson basically coined, which I absolutely love and live by that when you become prolific, it's just someone who has abundant inventiveness. And we'll, when you start to actually study this and research people that are successful in the world, I would say everybody that's successful is prolific. And it's because they have that abundant inventiveness, they're always coming up with new ideas and they just live at another level than people that basically are genetic that live at. So the prolific scale, there is one indeed, at either end of the scale, we have got the crazy. <laughs> and this is basically those people you see online, they're just um, proclaiming crazy strategies that very few people relate with. Um, and it's very hard to understand these types of profiles and people um, just because they're highly unrelatable to the average person and your clients. Right in the two parts between the mid and the end, we've got the prolific part of the prolific scale. This is where the money's made. And then where 99% of businesses and personal brands live in the middle is the mainstream section, um, which is absolutely not where we wanna be. We'd rather probably the crazy end than the mainstream because at mainstream, we're just going out there to a world of like, we're just blending into a sea of other people. So the difference between creating a mainstream personal brand and a prolific personal brand. Someone who is mainstream invents few ideas. They share mainstream strategies that no one really takes notice of. So think of this like someone that's posting, how do you become successful? Oh, hustle and work hard and dream big. Just something that's so like overdone. It's probably went out in 10 million boss babe quotes. Um, and that you see all the time. Blend in to receive other voices and opinions. Literally nothing is making you stand out. You have no strong stance or views. So you agree with pretty much what anyone posts online. You don't stand out with anything that's different, but basically the opposite to polarizing. Someone who's prolific invents new, unique ideas and comes up with them all the time. They are not a one-hit wonder. Um, I always like to think of Taylor Swift as this. I'm loving her hair. She has created so many number one hits and continues to do this time and time again. She lives in that prolific scale right in the middle of it and hence why she's one of the, the top earners. 
Sorry, my dog's just barking two seconds. Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, everything basically you share never heard before strategies or new twists on existing things. So this is someone that does a lot of research and although they're sharing maybe existing strategies that other experts have come up with, they're also offering a unique opinion on it. Everything they do and say is so unique that people take notice. So this is when you're gonna to start to really gain that traction and get clients on social. And they have clear views and values which basically polarize people. So this is where you're sharing your views on things that are going to push people away from you but are going to bring those people that that actually agree with you even closer and that we're always going to be your ideal client and one of the examples i love of this was gary v came out and said that he was not supporting trump um in the elections and because just of his business background people were very shocked at this and I, I'm sure he lost a lot of followers and a lot of people that, that really supported Gary Vee. But what he did was people like me brought me even closer and the people that would always going to love him even more, even closer and made a ton of money off the back end of it as well. Um, so that was an example of being prolific and not being scared to polarize. And I often find people that polarize have that really loyal following that just want to follow them to the end of the earth. And that's really what we need to create a successful business. Also, they're a high, put, high output individual and a thought leader. So someone that is always putting out, always taking action, um, and always basically very, very active everywhere, dominating the market. Now, the difference between a mainstream personal brand and a prolific personal brand, if you're mainstream, you send clients inconsistently and command a much smaller fee. None of us want to be in that space. For someone who is prolific, you're highly paid and in demand, which is where we all want to live. So guys, I've got a little bit of content here to share with you now about your three brand pillars and how to really begin on the journey of creating prolific content and creating that prolific personal brand online. Hopefully that will take us another 10, 15 minutes. And I think if we've got time, Mike, we'll do some questions. Um, so how do we become, we now know what the concept is. We need to become prolific online to stand out and to really get sales through our online profiles. But how do we become that go-to expert? How do we actually become prolific? And really online, it's all to do with the content that we put out. So I designed something called the go-to formula that's going to really help you stand out. And these are the three things that you require to become prolific online. First up is expertise, credibility, and understanding. These are the three things that we need to demonstrate online to stand out. So first up, of course, our expertise is our knowledge, what we know, and really standing in that position of authority. Credibility is really your story. Have you actually been through the transformation that I'm looking to achieve? And understanding, you know how that client is feeling right now because we've been there and we can demonstrate that we know that, you know, even though we're a lot further ahead in the journey, that actually we knew how it felt to be in their position. 
So how do we communicate that? Because it's great having a formula, but how do we get that across? And it really comes down to your three brand pillars, your expertise, your story, and their need. So if we actually bring these two together, they line up really nicely. Your expertise is your expertise pillar, pretty easy to remember. Credibility that you need to share is your story pillar and understanding of your ideal client and your following is their needs. So that's their, their need pillar, it's all about them. So I'm gonna share with you how to identify what each of your pillars are, and then you can create content from this that's actually really gonna help you build your brand. So first up, all of these pillars will relate back to our niche, what our overall niche is of what we do. And this really is one of those sort of brand bibles where that if we write anything online or create something and it doesn't relate back to I am the go-to girl or I am the go-to guy for X, it gets scrapped. And this is how we make sure everything we're putting out is prolific and we're not just making noise for the sake of it. Most brands lack clarity, but with this strategy, it means we're always on brand adding value to our audience and ultimately making um, sales from social. I mean, I'm never on social media just for vanity or ego. I'm always on there for a business purpose, which is ultimately growing the bottom line. So let's kick off with the first three brand pillars and looking at number one, your expertise. So really your expertise pillar, as I mentioned, is going to be relative to your niche. So for example, I could talk about a lot of things in social media because I have expertise in more areas than just personal branding. So I'm a really good guitar player. I have expertise in this area. Um, I could teach somebody how to play the guitar, but do I sell guitar lessons? No, I don't. So I am an expert in personal branding. And is this what I sell? Is I sell coaching programs in this? Yes. So basically my expertise pillar is personal branding. So it relates back to what your main business focus is. So within this pillar, this is where we share knowledge, zone of genius to educate and inform your audience. We can give our audience within this pillar practical advice that they can implement without our product or service. And I think this is a really important one to cover because I feel like it's sometimes challenging to decipher that line of giving too much away for free or what do you give away like that's paid for and really this pillar is all about giving as much away as possible for free so that people think if this is what she gives away for free what will I get if I actually you know pay her for this information if I pay her to coach me if I pay for the product if I pay for the service so it basically gives our audience small actionable wins that builds trust to work with us further and create that, you know, that feeling of if I pay her, what will I get if this is what I'm getting for free? So with your expertise pillar, this is where you're sharing your how-to content, you're sharing little nuggets of your expertise. That if someone wanted to go and implement something, you've written a piece of content, whether that's a blog a social media post, a video training, a webinar, something in here that's actually going to give them information they can go and implement themselves, receive a win, and then think, right, now I'm going to invest in this person or this product. So with my expertise pillar, that really all correlates back to personal branding. 
So really, if I'm ever sitting in this pillar when I'm writing a piece of content for it, I'm thinking personal branding related. And I can really go into so many different subjects from that that are going to give my audience wins. The next pillar that you're looking at is your story. Now, we all have a core brand story. I shared mine with you right at the beginning of this presentation, the story of overcoming the challenge of age and all the things that I had when I started. I'm to where I am today and my current achievements. Now, that is something we want to share online um, a couple of times throughout the year as our big brand story, making sure that we're always reintroducing ourselves to our audience. But our story can go so much deeper than that. And that's where we, oops, that's where we just share elements of our, oh, sorry guys. Okay. Yeah, so this is where we can share elements of our story, but in a casual, parable manner. Um, so to just keep churning out your core brand story every single day or a couple of times a week could be quite challenging. So we can actually go deeper on our story here and do it in a casual, parable manner where we're actually storytelling and building that relationship with our client. So what this type of content does is it puts a bow on who we are and our unique brilliance. So this is the content that always receives the most engagement and people will always emotionally connect with us on this. We can write all the how-to type content in the world and it will never receive the same sort of engagement or the brand connection, the audience connection than actually sharing something that's vulnerable or something about our journey or something personal will. This is where we share the things often that we want to hide um, as these are the things we need to shine a light on. So for example, when I shared a part of my story that I was bullied at school, um, and that was a really challenging period, that was one of the things that grew my brand most in so many different directions. I'm actually strengthening the relationship with my current audience and for those new people that were coming in, coming into a completely transparent space. Um, so as I just mentioned, it's not about attracting, everything we do isn't only about attracting new audience, new clients, new sales, but actually nurturing our existing audience as well. Um, those warm leads inside or following that are hopefully going to convert at one point along the funnel. So the Your Story content can really go as deep as you would like. It can go into it can go into really deep stories or it could be a little story that's happened throughout of your day. So my story, you always kind of want to relate it back to a pillar title. Um, so my pillar title is Becoming Prolific. And basically how I worked this out was I looked at all the different parts of my journey and what was the common theme of, you know, my story in general. And it was Becoming Prolific, relating it back to everything that I've done throughout that journey has been about um, doing something different, putting yourself out there. So really relating it back to your story, your story might be a story of, you know, long-term working or long-term investment in your health, really whatever relates back to your ideal client and you could bring this story full circle um, to your overall message. So what is that story you want to keep sharing and what are different ways that you can, you can bring it up? And then your third and final pillar is their needs. So this pillar is about the client. This is where we stop really shading about ourselves in some ways. It's going to address their objections, their challenges, um, and their mindset blocks. 
this is where we can demonstrate that we know our ideal client inside out because we're going to be sharing exactly what's in their head. And in this pillar, we want to relate it back to what they ultimately want and um, their biggest desire. So although your client will have more than one desire, we want to focus on the most important one. So this is the type of content where we are taking their objections, we're taking their challenges. We might even be using speech marks to actually, that's the opening of that type of content. Um, or have you ever felt um, like losing weight is impossible? That might be one of the mindset blocks of your ideal client. And this is where we then talk them through our own experience, how we felt the same. And we're really gonna show that understanding piece. So with their needs, um, I relate it all back to with my client when I'm talking about their objections and their challenges and what they're overcoming. I relate it back to them actually wanting to make more money because I know that the clients that I work with and the people that I'm trying to attract don't build a business or a personal brand or want to be featured in the press for their ego. They don't want to be famous. They want to become Kim Kardashian. They ultimately just want to grow their business, monetize it and actually help people along the way. So when I'm writing this type of content, I've always got in mind that whatever I'm sharing it back to is going to help them monetize exactly what they're doing. So finally, my pillar, my final one is always monetizing. So anything that I'm writing here is going to lead back to how they can make more money and how they can monetize this with their business. So once you really work out what your three brand pillars are, the rule of thumb that I really follow is I share one piece of content per week from each pillar, meaning that I'm covering all of the areas of my ideal client that I want to talk to. So I'm sharing my expertise. I'm able to show them that I've got the experience. I've got the knowledge to, if they want to come work with me, I've got it. I'm also sharing my story. So we're building that personal relationship and that connection. And then I'm sharing how I know what they, how they're feeling. I understand them with their need pillar. Um, so this really becomes a really nice way if you're looking at planning your content out online, that you're covering all three bases and you can speak to them from all angles because some people will want to buy from us through the expertise because they love the how-tos, they love the masculine energy of the how-to strategy. Then when we have the people that connect with us because they've really connected with that brand story. And then it might be the other way that they've just felt heard, they've just felt seen, and they see us as the answer to their big problems because we understand what it's like to be there. So guys, with these three brand pillars, it's gonna create a lot of clarity for your social content and also for your audience. We all know that a confused mind says no to when purchasing. And this is really a holistic approach, an all around view of really being able to build that relationship with your client, build your personal brand, um, and ultimately make sales in your business online. Um, so that's all I've got to share today on our personal branding. Um, if anyone, if we've got time, Mike, for any questions, um, then I am open to that. Fantastic, Liv. Thank you so much. Let's, uh, let's see who's got some questions. Hang on, I'll just put my view differently so I can see everybody. <clears throat> Colleen, over to you. Hello, Liv. Thank you so much. That was absolutely fabulous. Um, just a question about organic posting versus paid for boosted posting. 
um, and your thoughts about you know paid for boosts on social media if you have any suggestions and strategies for us yeah thank you for that question um so i built my business um completely through organic social media marketing however i realized that was a different time because that was when i initially had that massive boom it was about four or five years ago and organic social media has changed a lot since then um so basically now i run my social media account that I consistently post my three brand pillars every week. Um, and basically what that does is it nurtures my current audience who follow me and anyone else that filters into my profile as a new follower. But my main sort of kick into the business of new leads and being able to sell programs or fill free challenges, that is really fueled by paid advertisement. So I fuel the new leads into the funnel via paid advertisement and then my organic strategy is much more one of nurture. And when they come in there, that I'm not just like this blank profile who only does paid advertisement. Um, so in terms of bringing new people in, of course, I pick, pick people up organically. But in terms of being able to control how much I want to earn and being able to really bring in as many leads as possible, um, then I fill it with the paid ads and then nurture through organic. Great, thanks, and good question, Colleen. Gary, I see your hands up, so uh, over to you. Just uh, unmute yourself. Hello, thanks for sharing, and uh, congratulations on success early on in life. Um, my question is, uh, I do believe in the expertise and, and storytelling that you mentioned, but how relevant is this in, in a B2B context? Uh, so we, we deal with IT solutions, and the ticket price is quite large, but also there's always multiple stakeholders involved that need to satisfy, right from the influencer to the gatekeeper. So what is your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I also do a lot of B2B I'm in my home staging business as well. Um, we just furnished 195 apartments through like a big, big building, which is like, you know, $400,000 um, contract. And really um, what we're doing there is still actually looking at the relationship element because when it comes to um, these contracts, a lot of the time it is like the difference in, you know, 50 quid here and hundred pounds here per property. Um, but it's, for us, it's just always about that relationship building and being able to really work out what their story is and trying to relate it to them. Um, okay. Because you know, obviously if we're gonna work with a family business, my business is also family run. Um, and we're going to try and connect with them that, on that story. Um, so I'd say with B2B, it's actually a little bit more of doing your investigation into them and then being able to not change your story, but there's obviously parts of your story you can shine a light on more than other parts. And throughout that period, if we are actually looking to, um, if we've got someone that we know is building a development and we want to actually stage it or whatever, we will actually pivot our content um, at that time just to shine our light on different parts of the journey and the story. Um, so that's that's what I've got to sort of give. Cool. Thank you. Fantastic and great, great question, Gary. Um, Colleen's got another question. Is it wise to recycle content across platforms, e.g. turn Instagram posts into blogs, repurpose for Facebook, et cetera? Hello? Looks like we've lost her. 
Yeah, looks so like we, we lost we've, we've lost Liv, have we? Yeah. And I'm talking. Oh. Okay, that's good. Well, at least it wasn't me then. Um, <laughs> so I'll answer that question. I, I think it's I think it's very good to to recycle as best as you can, Colleen. Um, and I love the what uh, Alex Donaghy said on one of our calls uh, some time back to to basically. Um, to you know, have 12 core piece, pieces of, of intellectual property, one a month that you bring out in multi-versions. But I see Liv's back. So the beauties of living in Spain, right? Um, oh, oh, sorry, I'm not sure what happened there. That's, that's all right, we get it all the time living in Cape Town. So um, uh, Colleen's question, I'd be interested in your view, is it, is it wise to recycle content across platforms, i.g. Turn Instagram posts into blogs, et cetera, et cetera, and then repurpose for Facebook, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we do all the time. Um, so I have a podcast um, and we interview tons of people on there, but I also do solo episodes. Um, so one of the things that we do is we um, transcribe the solo episodes. And obviously with a Scottish accent, it comes through super messed up. <laughs> um, but I have one of my team go through it and turn it into proper English. Um, and then we turn that into a blog. But often, like the ideas of the podcast episode will come will come from social media posts I've written. Um, literally, we'll do the same sort of social media post, um, podcast, blog, maybe a small video training, um, and we'll turn it into four or five different types of content. Take a lot of energy to create these things and some people aren't on Facebook they're on Instagram and some people listen to podcasts in so many different ways but also you've written in the past and bring that into the now um, because most people won't have seen it so you can repurpose it in that way as well Right uh, Any other questions? Uh, we've got Melanie Thanks Mark, thank you Liv for sharing with us I've got a question. Your, so your business was the property stages. What made you transition this into you now personal brand expert? Yeah, so I still own the property stages and still run it. Um, but I was asked, I was just getting asked so often. And because of the strategy that we had built it through a personal brand, um, you know, I was always asked to speak at events and how did you do it and can you coach me? Um, so at that point, I was doing it for free for years and realized that it was just taking up a large part of my diary that I wouldn't be able to commit any more time to it without, without actually turning it into a business and monetizing it. Um, so that was that was kind of the shift for me. And it's something I see happen with so many clients. Once they've got that expertise in an industry, everyone wants to know exactly how they've done it. Awesome. Thank you. Mike, you muted. And that's, uh, that's fascinating too, Liv, because you've taken what is actually your second business and, um, and really turned that into almost your second seven-figure business um, since you've actually been paying attention to it. So it's not like you've had this one bit of success and then that's that. It's like you've taken the parameters that have given that success. People want to know about that. And now you've turned that into well, an incredibly vibrant business at a time where a lot of people are trying, struggling to sell anything online and yet you're selling a lot online. 
So I've got a question for you, and then we'll jump back to fi any final questions from anyone else. And um, thank goodness my voice is holding out because you can hear it's not good today. Is that uh, if you were going to do this all over again, what would be the one area of focus or thing that you would do different than what you've done? Oh, and um, so I, I think if I was to go back and do it again, I would almost want to document more of the process. Um, because although I've started doing that maybe in the last two years, there's still four years right at the beginning, I probably didn't document enough and document in so many ways. So document in terms of writing down everything I was doing and really tracking the data of everything that worked and everything that didn't work. And also documenting a lot of the actual journey through photos and social media. Um, because that's one of the, the biggest things that I see is being being successful for people is when you see someone going from like nothing in terms of their business, zero, and you see them build it throughout that whole process. And I think that's when you get ultimate brand buy-in. That's when you really get your audience on board. And I would say that I wasn't bad at that, but I just wish I'd done it more in depth. Great. Perfect. Okay. Any final questions for Liv? I think, we're, I think we're clear, Liv. Thank you so, so much for being on the call today. Congratulations on your new house and, you know, not really so new dog, <clears throat> but new haircut as well. So that's, uh, that's good. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to catching up with you as, as we normally do from time to time. And thanks, everybody, for being on the call today. And I think you've got some very, very simple and practical steps here to implement to really build your social media following. We'll catch all of you later on. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks. Bye.